but I picked the eighties as a particularly terrible year for fashion and everything else. So <laughs> you're so fashionable. Lynn. I know, I know. As a field scientist, I take it as a responsibility to always dress in the most ridiculous field clothes. When else can you get away with it? Karina asks Len about studying the past and working in wetlands in this episode of My Significant Scientist. So my name's Len, and I am currently studying my PhD at the University of New South Wales. I'm about halfway through my second year, mm-hmm. uh, about a three and a half to four year degree, and I'm currently mixing my own research in past environmental change in Australia. Uh, with a little bit of teaching. So it's uh, a lot of fun and I enjoy it. And I'm Karina and I'm studying a master's program at the Australian National University, which is all the way down in Canberra and not in Sydney at the University of New South Wales. And I wish I was closer to you. So I'm studying science communication outreach, which is lots and lots of fun because you get to look at what makes people tick and what makes them engage or not with science. We also get to travel around the whole country and muck around with science and the general public, and it's really fun. It's to us both the best and the worst part of circus? Yeah, it's so much fun, but it's really, really hard work. To us a long time. Living with you and working quite closely with you at uni as well, um, I've learned a lot about plants and vegetation and more wet organic stuff and Um, geography and geography but i've studied science communication and geology more like hard rock stuff (laughs) have you ever learned anything from me lots of stuff so i've had a bit more of a background in planty things and the soft (laughs) (laughs) soft muddy planty side of things right you said it you do soft science (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, you're always the one that wanted to come out and play games in swamps and go coring and things like that. So it kind of been too bad. But I would say that I've learned a lot of things from you just factually about longer periods of Earth's history. So looking at geological time instead of like relatively recent past, which is what I look at. Even though 15,000 years sounds like a long time, it's relatively recent compared to... <laughs> four billion years. <laughs> four, four and a half billion years, yeah. <laughs> so that's been super useful. But apart from that, in a less factual sense, you've helped me understand a lot more, especially the last year now that you've been doing your master's in it, how I can engage people, which I think has improved my teaching a lot. You love teaching. I do, I do. (laughs) But um, because I mostly teach first year and things like that, engaging people at that level that aren't really sure if they want to be doing this or doing other things, that's been your biggest help that you've taught me. Have I, like, actually, like, explicitly told you things or have you, like, picked it up? Because you've come to see a few of my shows this year. Well, I've come to see a few of your shows as well, but it's all just um, talking to you partly about the, the coursework that you've been doing. And so I'd say part of it's been direct I've asked you about things, you've been telling me about work that you've done, and part of it's just been kind of implicit from picking up details from the way you deliver your shows and all that kind of stuff. Oh, your students love you, though. They love me <laughs> even more now that I think I've picked up a few extra Oh, really? Things. Yeah. Oh, cool. Your work on past environmental change, when's the past? The human time frame that we have history for and records <laughs> of is really quite short compared to how long things have been going on on the surface of the planet. So some people probably heard, thanks partly to 
Disney Pixar and things like that that we've had Ice Ages. But um, quantifying these, because they've all happened so far in the past and there was no one to take records or write it down in books or anything like that. So we've got to look at natural archives that we can try and use it to put all the pieces together. One of these is ice cores. And because every year some snow falls, you go back in time through a big pile of ice and you can look at all the different layers and see if there's lots of snow or not much snow and look at things like that. Well, I do very similar things, but I use wetlands as, as my source of environmental history. I can look at the accumulating sediments in a swamp, sediments like sand and mud and things like that, and sometimes they're really organic sediments if they're in a special place where the plants growing in the swamp don't break down. So they'll kind of like accumulate every year, they'll basically grow a new layer, and you can look back through time, and instead of looking at ice and snow and things like that, you can look at how much charcoal there is in the record, you can look at how much new organic material grew in a year, you can look at all sorts of things. If I just say, oh, I go and look at wetlands, and they'll be like, oh, that's a bit silly, what do you do that for? But I'm trying to broaden our understanding over time frames that are much longer than we have records for, that kind of goes, oh, that makes sense. And then people go into it and you can tell them about looking back through layers in sediments and ice cores and things like that, and they all kind of come to the party. People will be less unsure if I'm just a strange person that runs around in wetlands all the time. <laughs> Because it's not a very abstract science, it's just that a lot of people don't think over time frames like that. What's the oldest stuff that you've been working on? About 15,000 years old. So 15,000 years. That's about nearly the maximum of the last ice age that Australia and the rest of the world experienced, which was about 19 or 20,000 years before present. So that's the oldest records that I have dates for but we haven't dated the bottom of the longest core that I've been working with yet. So it's at least 15,000 years old, likely a little bit older. You think that I understand your work? Yes, definitely. Definitely. I'd say the hardest thing to communicate about my work is just how long a period we're talking about operating over here. So I talk about the last 15,000 years as a relatively recent past. Mm. Well, there's people in my school at the university that study the first possible sources of life, which are three and a half billion year old stromatolites in Western Australia. And so that's many, many orders of magnitude older than what we're talking about. So the time frame that I look at, humans were on the planet, and so that's still relatively recent, whereas the Earth has had quite a varied history. And just trying to, to understand that time is so much longer than just a little tiny human lifespan can really have any bearing on. I would say that that's one of the hardest things to explain to people that aren't familiar with my work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Recent past, 15,000 years. That's... Even working, we've done some work with archaeologists and their minds were blown when they're like, oh, we're working with stuff that's 5,000 years old. It's so old. And we're like, no. <laughs> yeah. And it just depends on what you're looking at because it's all cult relative. culturally, we'll look at the last 50 years. Like if you go back to the 80s, well, Things were really, really, really different. It's so like 50 years ago. It's like I, 30 years ago. <laughs> I can do maths. I can do maths. 1980 um, was 35 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I picked the 80s as a particularly terrible year for fashion and everything else. So <laughs> You're so fashionable. I know. I know. As a field scientist, I take it as a responsibility to always dress in the most ridiculous field clothes. When else can you get away with it? <laughs> What do you like about going into the field? It's something that I enjoyed before I started doing my own research. 
I enjoyed the outdoors, I enjoyed bushwalking and things like that. And a lot of the work that I do, um, the wetlands that I am focusing on in my PhD research are on um, places like the Wallamai National Park in the Blue Mountains behind Sydney. If you go and find a, a suitable wetland that is slightly more remote, slightly more removed from human influence, chances are you'll have a much more pristine record of environmental change. We have a lot of fun exploring new areas, and so the first thing we'll do is we'll start looking around on aerial photos and satellite photos. And then once we've found suitable sites that we would like to explore based on the, the geology and things like that, we then go in and try and visit these on foot, which is usually a big adventure. And so it's kind of like a big bushwalk and you're off the beaten trail. So you, you're likely seeing things that hardly anyone has seen before. It's really cool to go in and be able to not just research some of these sites, but even just to see them. What's your favourite that you've been to? There's this one site near Lithgow that is named after Nicholas Gooch, but it started out life as a big, deep, narrow canyon. And so just downstream, about 100 metres downstream from where this big hole in the ground starts, the walls of the canyon fell in across it and basically dammed it. And so since then, the water has accumulated in this big, basically, hole in the ground, and it started off life as a lake, and then it's developed into a wetland. And so it's really beautiful because you can walk in through really dry, rocky hills and things like that, and then you stand on the edge of this big crater. Um, it looks like you're standing on the rim of a football stadium or something, and in the middle there's a beautifully lush little wetland in the middle of it. I've seen it survive bushfires and really cold winters, and it's quite an interesting sight. Yeah, I've been before with you, and I really like it because you have to, like, scramble in, but we've camped there a few mm. times in, like, the little uh, canyon next to it, and it looks like something out of the land before time. Mm. We call it Dinosaur Cave. It's really cool, and you can go from these really dry, rocky hilltops, and then you drop down into these little canyons and craters and things. It's all lush, little rainforest And kinda... there's waterfalls and big ferns and big trees and everything like that, and it totally feels like the land before time. <laughs> the only sign of civilization out there is basically sometimes you'll see the red flickering light of an aeroplane going over the top. <laughs> so I find this, but I don't know if you do, but when I say that I'm um, going out into swamps, people assume that it's going to be like some big muddy bog, like Lord of the Rings kind mm -hmm. of dead bodies floating in mud. Do people think that? And is that true? When when I say swamp, most people think of exactly that big empty marshes with nothing going on. But it's not um, that at all. No, it's it's totally different. And a lot of these wetlands um, form in really narrow little canyons and places like that. So you can usually walk in for a few metres, have a look at what's going on, and then walk back out to the edge and walk along a bit further. And they're usually filled with ferns and really pretty little tea tree plants and things like that. It's not boggy and mushy and stuff like that. And the that. water's quite clear as well. Yeah, it is. Sometimes the muddiest you'll get is after you start taking a core, and that's once you put the core <laughs> down through all these layers of sediment, it'll come back up, mm -hmm. and all of this like really dark organic material that's accumulated through time... You make it muddy. ...will be quite you know stuck to the outside of the core, and you... you undoing all the extension rods and things like that and wrapping up all the cores. And you'll get quite muddy. Um, it's but, so muddy. <laughs> but you could easily go bushwalking through something like this and it'd be quite pretty. There's all ferns and nice pretty things and you wouldn't you wouldn't get muddy at all. The only thing is uh, there's a few little wet patches, but it's just clear, crystal clear running water and uh, uh, quite different from what people say. So I, usually, I quite often will say wetlands because just 
through convention that brings up slightly more positive images than um, than swamps. But technically, and in the um, environmental legislation in New South Wales and Australia, um, environments that I work on are called swamps, temperate highland peat swamps on sandstone. And they're a protected ecological community under the Environmental Protection and Biodiversity Conservation Act. Well. <laughs> quite, a, quite a bit of a mouthful, that legislation. <laughs> nice and simple. <laughs> Usually shortened to the EPBCA, but I am by no means a, a lawyer or anything like that. So that's yep. just one of the things I'm peripherally aware of. Right. Has this work changed what you like to do in your free time? You used to like spending a lot of time outdoors, kind of doing lots of natural stuff. Do you feel like saturated with bushland? No, definitely not. So while I speak about fieldwork quite a lot, and it, it's always one of the highlights because I enjoy getting out of the office and being able to explore the bush and things like that, it's only a tiny fraction of the time we spend. So in the course of a year, I might spend a total of two weeks in the field. And so some of that might be camping, some of it might be day trips and things like that, which is all really good fun. But then that leaves another 48 weeks of the year, including my little break over Christmas to, um, to catch up on lab work and do my analyses and then start writing up some research and some of the findings from this to, to publish in journals and to put towards my thesis as well. So it's definitely the highlight, but it's by no means a, the majority of the time I get to spend. So that means that I still definitely enjoy going for bushwalks and things like that on the weekend. The Blue Mountains is a wonderful place to explore and it's great because it's just a quick train ride away from Sydney. So it's so much. Mm, and so it, much. it hasn't stopped me enjoying that at all. You always seem to enjoy it when you go out. Mm, definitely. <laughs> I reckon that too. Fantastic. It's been a pleasure. Thanks to Karina and Len for sharing their conversation from October 2014 in Canberra, Australia. Share this conversation with someone you care about by retweeting on Twitter or commenting on Facebook.